You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I am still watching some of these games, but everything is going really well. Um, <laughs> this is things are things are going okay. Let's start there. So, for reference, I'm still watching Minnesota, uh, Las Vegas, as well as San Francisco, Seattle. Um, I'm rooting for San Francisco as much as it makes me sick. I'm rooting for Las Vegas. Obviously, still zero zero. San Francisco's winning. That being said. The L.A. Rams were tied with the Green Bay Packers at 6-6. Six and six. Baltimore ended up beating them in overtime. Now, the Rams look solid. I mean, to be able to put up that kind of a fight, but it doesn't matter. We now, assuming we don't lose to the Giants, pull ahead of the L.A. Rams. I, I, I don't even want to get to it first. I, I, we we got to talk about the rest of the games if there's any other ones that matter. Cause, well, again, assuming things stay the way that they are, um, if... I should wait till these games are done. If Seattle wins or Seattle loses, that's the same thing as uh, LA. That's great. They drop behind us. That's fantastic. The big one, though, obviously, is Chicago and Detroit. I was it dawned on me as I was watching it really how significant this game is. First of all, hat tip to the Chicago Bears, and I mean that legitimately. We talk about the Packers just looking different. The energy is different, all that stuff. It's the same thing with the Bears. The Bears are playing at a high level right now. I don't necessarily mean like elite, you know, playoff type of thing, but Justin Fields is playing about as well as I've ever seen him play. He still has some like, what the heck was that throws, like massively overthrowing DJ Moore, who's wide open to ice the game. He just completely airmails it. Um, he's still real slow on his timing, like his his... The, the timing is just not there. The anticipation is not there. So I, I don't think he's necessarily, I don't know. I, I, I hope they keep him. But that's a discussion for a different day. Regardless, the Bears are playing pretty inspired football. Their defense looked pretty fired up. The offense looked fired up. The crowd was fired up. Like, everybody's in it. And I, I feel very comfortable saying that because they're out of the playoffs, basically. It doesn't matter. Not worried about it. Obviously, though, the more significant thing is Detroit. The obvious thing on its face is the record and the fact that they could very easily 
hand over the division to the Green Bay Packers. And I, I guess we'll start there before I move on to my sort of bigger revelation. So as of right now, by the way, with the games that are done, the Green Bay Packers are in the playoffs with the seventh seed. Minnesota has the sixth seed and Detroit has the third seed. Um, I don't really need to simulate these because you already know what happened. But um, if San Francisco and the Raiders end up winning this game, the Packers will already have moved up to the number six seed. Just done deal. Beyond that, though, if we just let's just simulate the rest of the NFC North. And I'm just going to I'm going to put the Vikings as winning just because I don't know what happened, et cetera, et cetera. Week 15, right? Week 15, Packers are playing the Bucs. Anything can happen, but obviously the Packers are going to be favorites in that game, so I'm going to select that. The Minnesota Vikings are playing the Bengals. I don't really care, but let's. I'm, I'm guessing the Bengals will be favorites, so I'm going to pick them. Bears are playing Cleveland. I'm going Cleveland, right? That just that that seems to make the most sense to me. Detroit and Denver. I'm watching Detroit a little bit. I got the red zone thing going. Detroit is another team that's playing fired up. You talk about inspired football, whatever you want to call it. Like they are jacked up. Detroit is not. We'll get to that. But I genuinely think the way things are today, even though it's in Denver or in Detroit, I I would go Denver. I legitimately would. Week 16, Vikings and Lions. Let's just say that the Lions split. Okay, let's go that route. So we're going to give this one to the Vikings because it's in Minnesota. Chicago against Arizona. I'm going to give that to Chicago. Green Bay is playing the Carolina Panthers. I'm going Green Bay. Week 17, Detroit is playing Dallas. Give me a freaking break. I'm going Detroit. That one is painfully obvious. Falcons, Bears, I don't even care. I'll give it to the Bears. And then Packers, Vikings. Um, well, let's 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 go Packers here first just to kind of see how things shake out. But week 18 now. Packers, Bears, as, as much as the Bears are playing a little bit more fired up, I'm going Packers. And then Vikings, Lions, I'll give this one to the Lions, okay? So we lost to, who did we lose to? All right, we didn't lose to anybody yet, right? So in, in this scenario, even with Detroit winning Week 18 against Minnesota, and um, Week, what, that's it. <laughs> but that would put the Packers at 11-6 and six and the Lions at 10-7. and seven. Um, if we, if we lose that game to Minnesota, though, we still don't end up with the number three seed, assuming the Lions even split with the Vikings, which at this point, I'm, I, I just don't know. Well, then again, I'm watching Vikings Raiders and they can't even put up a single freaking field goal. I'm starting to think that Detroit might beat them twice, but the bottom line is like, it's, it's becoming more of a reality. And if we end up running the table here. The Lions are going to have a really tough road down the stretch. Because again, it's not just a matter of the records, because they're still significantly ahead of us. It's it's a, it's significant because you just lost to the Bears. And if you lost to the Bears, then you're probably going to lose to the Broncos and to Dallas. And you're at least going to lose one to Minnesota, which means we're in really good shape here to win the freaking division. And really, it doesn't change a ton. As many times as I simulate this, Ultimately, all it's going to do is put Minnesota or whoever ends up in that spot in the seventh seed, and it just kicks Detroit down to the sixth seed. So it's still going to be Minnesota Green or Green Bay and Detroit no matter what. You're just playing for home field advantage. And I'll tell you what, I know we just beat them in Detroit. I still want that real bad. I don't want to go to Detroit. 
But bringing Detroit into Lambeau, are you kidding me? Unfortunately, there's a good chance we'd end up going to San Francisco after that, but whatever, man. I mean, just, I don't know. That's, that's awesome. But here, here's, here is the sort of revelation that I had about Detroit. It's not just about this year. Watching this team right now, if we just reset it, remember when we ended the year last year, the two best teams were Green Bay and Detroit, and Detroit was probably the better team. They were the best team in the division last year, more than likely. They've been the best team in the division this year. They've been the hottest team in the division for a very long time in terms of their up-and-coming ability as opposed to teams that are kind of on the way out or, you know, about to lose Rodgers or whatever. And I made the comment that, like, it's, you know, you're kind of at the tipping point where things are going to start to go south and whatever. Am I alone in feeling like that tipping point has has happened? You're You're looking at a team that just looks like the Lions, right? Like Jared Goff is, I mean, the Lions kind of play like they're a joke a little bit. Jared Goff is a joke. Like these throws, these turnovers, it's it's laughable. Their defense is putrid. It is like the worst in the entire NFL. It's a joke. I can't even imagine Minnesota's offense that has no ability to score. It's, there's nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, it's 0-0. If this goes into overtime at 0-0, zero zero, I'm going to freaking laugh. What happens if it's a tie, I wonder? I don't know. But what happens when the Minnesota Vikings who can't score go up against the Detroit Lions who can't stop anyone from scoring? Not only are we sitting here watching a team in the Green Bay Packers that are looking to reestablish themselves as the top team, but we're seeing the current top team in the NFC North that we thought we were going to have to knock off just gracefully bow out. It's as if they watched Jordan Love play the way that he's playing and just thought, you know what? I can't compete with that. I quit. And they're just on their way back down to fourth. I mean, who's, who's the worst team in the division right now? Maybe it's Minnesota. I don't know. I mean, their defense... Seems solid, but if you can't score any points, I can't imagine you're going to get very far. It could still be Chicago. We can call that a fluke. Maybe we say, you know, in Detroit, they're not going to beat Detroit. I, I, it's, it seems like it's a race to the bottom to me with one team playing well and three teams playing like garbage. And hilariously, there is a distinct possibility that that division is going to send three people to the playoffs. Crazy. But uh, we'll revisit the Minnesota thing when that game eventually ends on my end. Uh, Why don't we actually take our first break? We'll come back, take a look at the New York Giants for the first time prior to the game. Makes sense to me. And we'll try to sneak in a couple calls, see if we can get caught up on those. But we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy, 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so the New York Giants currently sit at 4-8 and eight under head coach Brian Daybowl. Pretty sure we did the injury report yesterday, but Evan Neal will be out of this game. As for the Packers, Jair and Christian Watson are out. Quay is doubtful. Questionable is Aaron Jones, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes. But the... Giants are a four-win team that have won their last two in a row coming off a bye week. Their last win was against the New England Patriots. They won 10-7. to Before that was the Washington Commanders, 31-19. I kind of talked about this before. Essentially, they beat the card, the Commanders twice, right? There's a divisional opponent, um, kind of just got their number, apparently. I don't know. And their only other two teams came, or wins came against the Patriots, who are officially eliminated from the playoffs because they suck, and the Arizona Cardinals, um, who also are just complete garbage. Their offense overall is ranked 31st in points, 32nd in yards, 31st in uh, first downs. Uh, they're ranked dead last in passing yards, 24th in passing touchdowns, 31st in net yards per attempt passing. 30th in rushing touchdowns, 24th in yards per attempt rushing at 3.9 yards per attempt. Um, they're ranked dead last in scoring percentage. How many other drives end in a score? Again, I like looking at drive percentages more so than just overall scoring anyways. Turnover percentage, they are 26th. Starting field position, 22nd. Average time of their drives at 2 minutes and 30 seconds, they rank 28th. Average number of drive uh, plays per drive, they rank 31st. Average number of yards per drive, they rank 32nd. Average number of points per drive, 31st. Defensively, they're 26th in points, 28th in yard, 23rd in um, first downs, 23rd in net yards per attempt passing. They're 28th in rushing yards, 31st in rushing touchdowns, and 30th in rushing yards. Their rush defense is worse than their pass defense. They give up 4.8 yards per attempt. 33.8% score percentage uh, on on drives, which ranks 21st. On average, teams start on the uh, 29-yard line, which ranks 20th. Yards per drive and points per drive, they rank 19th. They do actually rank pretty well in uh, average time and plays per drive, but I can't help but wonder if that has something to do with Either teams just completely flying down the field and scoring quickly or being more of a boom or bust type of defense. It's, you know, three and out or touchdown. But the bottom line is they do not, uh, there's not a lot of time. Uh, Giants opponents don't have the offense on the field for a very long time and they don't run a lot of plays, which typically is a good thing, but I'm thinking it's a negative in this case. Um... The Giants right now, again, when you only won four games, is not a ton to really glean here. They did score 31 points twice, and uh, they won both of those games. That was against one of them against Washington, 
One was against Arizona Week 2. The third highest scoring game, aside from those two, 17 points against Dallas. Six games so far this year, so 50% of them have been 10 points or less. Five games looking at their defense, so nearly 50% have gotten to 30 points. They gave up 30 to the Raiders, who just put up zero (laughs) against the Vikings. 30 points to the 49ers, 31 to the Dolphins, and then the Cowboys scored 40 and 49. They also gave up 28 points to the Cardinals, which would mean 50% of their games have gotten to 28 points or higher. Two of their wins came um, when the defense only allowed seven points. So if we look at this, if you score or if you allow them to score less than, uh, you know, 30 points, then they are, uh, what's their record? Two and two and eight. And then if you score more than seven points, you're pretty likely to, to win the game. The uh, Giants have only won two games when they have scored less than 30 points and when they've allowed opponents to score more than seven points. Not a very good football team. Um, as far as total yards, there is a relatively high correlation here. When they're able to get around 300 yards, they're actually three and one. Less than that, I suppose they would be one and seven. Pass yards, when they get to 200 passing yards, they are 3-0. and So don't let them do that. Joe Barry, come on now. No crazy stuff. Um, the record is 3-5 and when they only have one turnover or less. So not a terrible record if they don't turn the ball over two or more times, but still obviously sub-500. But that's about it. It definitely seems to be more of a, uh, you know, reliant on their offense when they as far as when they win, when they lose type stuff. A couple other numbers I found here. Um, they are 31st on offense on third down percentage, 30.9%. They are 20th, 47.8% on fourth downs, and they are 31st in the red zone. Defense, however, they are the fifth best third down, def- uh, third down defense. They're ranked 15th on fourth down and 25th in the red zone. So there's going to be your opportunity. When you get down there, you got to take advantage of that. Taking a quick gander over at DVOA, they actually have the Giants ranked 32nd. So worse than Carolina, Arizona, the Jets, what all that. Giants dead last. That's pretty incredible. 38.5% worse than a typical team. Packers right now are ranked 17th, so still kind of in the middle. They have their offense ranked 31st and their defense ranked 26th. So their 31st ranked offense will be going up against our 18th ranked defense. And then their, uh, let's see, our 12th ranked offense will be going up against their 26th ranked defense. So that seems to be advantage Packers, if I'm not mistaken. They also have the Giants special teams ranked 23rd. Green Bay Packers, well, 29th. So I guess that's advantage Giants, obviously. Obviously. Freaking special teams, man, I swear. More things change, more they stay the same. A couple other fun little tidbits here. Giants wide receivers have 110.6 receiving yards per game this season, which is fourth worst in the NFL. Packers average 136.3 receiving yards per game allowed, which is ninth best in the NFL. Giants quarterbacks have a 50.3 passer rating when scrambling this season, which is ninth worst. Packers have allowed a passer rating of 39.6 when opposing quarterbacks are scrambling. That's fifth best. 
Giants have thrown for 795 passing yards in five games at home this season, which is worst in the NFL. Packers have allowed 207.3 passing yards per game on the road this season, which is tied for ninth best. Giants have thrown for 2,190 passing yards in 12 games this season, which is worst in the NFL. Packers have allowed 203.8 passing yards per game this season, which is 10th best in the NFL. The Giants are averaging 3.6 yards per carry on rushes up the middle this season, which is 8th worst. Packers have allowed 3.7 yards per carry when defending rushes up the middle to running backs, which is 10th best. And on and on it goes. You get the idea. The Green Bay Packers are a much better team in pretty much every category. Anyways, going to take a break here. We'll come back, um, talk really quick about the Vikings 3 to nothing victory. Then move on quickly to the Giants looking at PFF and then wrap up the last of your calls and then we'll get out of here. We'll take our final break. We'll be right back. All right, so with the Vikings winning, that does put us back in the seventh seed, Minnesota in the sixth seed. And um, assuming the Packers win, it's going to be the seven and six Packers, the seven and six Vikings and the nine and four Lions I mean, by the time this thing is done, man, it's going to be down to the wire here. It might be a three-way race for for third, a three-way race for sixth, and a three-way race for seventh. Suffice it to say, the Packers-Vikings game is obviously going to be pretty significant, and then the two Lions-Vikings games are going to be significant, especially for those two teams. But we'll cross that road when we come to it. For now, it is what it is. got to win this game against the Giants. Next week, we have another very winnable game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are currently winning the division um, in a three-way tie at 6-7 and with Atlanta and the Saints. But the uh, Vikings also have a winnable game against Cincinnati, and the Lions technically have a winnable game against uh, Denver, although the way they're playing and the way the Lions are playing, it's not looking great for Detroit. But again, just got to handle business this week, and... um, Keep your foot on the gas because it's this thing is not over yet. All right, PFF also does agree with the um, with DVOA that it's not Carolina or Arizona or New England. It is the Giants that are the worst team in all of football. Um, looking at the team quarterback, who at this point in time is Mr. Tommy DeVito. DeVito is the lowest overall graded quarterback, but he's the second highest graded passer. Not that it really matters. Um, Daniel Jones, 54, Tommy DeVito, 63, and then, uh, Tyrod Taylor is a 69 passing grade, but Tommy DeVito has a 57.7 overall grade because of his 39.6 rushing grade. He, this year has, um, by the way, it's worth, worth noting Tommy DeVito is an undrafted free agent this year. He is a rookie undrafted free agent quarterback out of Illinois. He is 66 of 105, which is a 63% completion rate, 697 yards, seven touchdowns, and three interceptions, three big-time throws, which is 2.7%, but five turnover-worthy plays at 3.3%. His grade so far this year in the five games that he has played, 46 against the Jets, a 69 against the Raiders, which isn't a terrible grade, but at the same time, it was 175 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He played some uh, week 10 against Dallas, had a 39 PFF grade. He threw for 86 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, just 3.2 yards per attempt passing. Then week 11 against Washington, 71 PFF grade, 246 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 
And then against New England, 191 passing yards, one touchdown, no interception, 63 PFF grade. He has a 3.09 second time to throw, which is unbelievably slow. 92.4 passer rating. DeVito has a 76.4 passing grade, 74 overall grade when he is not under pressure, which is about 60% of his dropbacks right now, 67.5% completion percentage, 608 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, but a 31.8 PFF grade when under pressure. He's 10 of 22 for 89 yards and a touchdown, zero big time throws, two turnover worthy plays. Obviously, like every game, especially the last few weeks, pressure, very important. Another issue with the Giants is the receiving options are essentially non-existent. They're, um, top targeted receiver is Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton is uh, like a wide receiver four on most teams. He is the wide receiver one for the Giants. He has a 66 receiving grade, which is what he has pretty much every year of his career. 32 receptions, 434 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller is number two, but he is out. He is not playing, hasn't been for a while. Number two receiver is Wandale Robinson. He was a second round draft pick last year. He's taken a pretty sizable step backward. He had a 71 receiving grade as a rookie. He's down to a 63. His highest graded receiving game this year is a 69.9. He is 5'8", 185. He is their slot guy. He currently has 36 catches for 265 yards and one touchdown. That leaves um, rookie third-round pick Jalen Hyatt as their wide receiver three. Hyatt has 17 receptions, 330 yards, no touchdowns, 64.9 receiving grade. He, he is very boomer bust, though, which kind of makes sense. Jalen Hyatt is just a straight line burner, six foot 185. Listed as 4'4 speed, but I'm pretty sure he's faster than that. But if you look at his grades, it's 40, 80, 50, 50, 50, 70, 70, 50, 40, 50, 50, 90. So he either does nothing or a lot. I mean, if we just look at his yards, zero yards against Dallas. Then he had 89 against Arizona. Then 0, 10, 0, 20, 75 then 0, 19, 0, 7, 109. I mean, he has 330 yards, and almost every single yard of that came in three games. Two-thirds of that came in two games. And then at running back, obviously their starting running back is Saquon Barkley. He is playing. He's not injured, believe it or not. Spent most of his career being injured. But um, he currently has 698 rushing yards, 4.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one fumble, and a 68.5 rushing rate. He's only had two games this entire year out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine that he played. He had two games where he had a positive or a good rushing grade. 70 against Arizona in week two, 78 against the Raiders week nine. That's it. The last week against New England, he had 12 attempts for 46 yards, 3.8 yards per attempt, no touchdowns. And that offensive line, it's just a complete mess over there. They've had four different people playing left tackle this season. Um, Andrew Thomas, Joshua Ezidu, uh, Justin Pugh, and Matt Peart, or Pert, however you say it. Fortunately for the Giants, though, it does look like Andrew Thomas is back. The other three are just completely useless. Andrew Thomas, very good offensive tackle. If he's playing, which it appears he is, um, not even on the injury report, so unless he gets hit by a car on the way <laughs> to the game, um, that's that's a rough one. He has a 77 run blocking grade and a 79 pass blocking grade, uh, but even that is somewhat artificially low because of a couple like mediocre games and not playing a ton. His last three games that he's played, 
83, and 83 were his pass blocking grades. His last run blocking game was a 91. So, dude is real good. That being said, even with one of the better left tackles in football, they still probably have the worst offensive line in football. I I don't... So, (laughs) Justin Pugh is the left guard, I believe, because they've had one, two, three, four, five, six different left guards playing. But I'm going to assume it's Justin Pugh that's going to play. 40 pass blocking grade, 56 run blocking grade. At center, John Michael Schmitz, who is a rookie second round pick out of Minnesota, has a 40 pass blocking grade and a 53 run blocking grade. Very similar. Uh, They've had two different centers play, or excuse me, three different people play center. Ben Bredesen and Jalen Thomas has taken a couple snaps there. They have had four different right guards play. I believe the right guard that is going to be playing in this game is Ben Bredesen. Um, (laughs) Surprisingly, he is one of the better right guards that has played. Ben Bredesen has a 43.2 pass blocking grade, having given up 25 pressures, and a 44.6 run blocking grade. Then at right tackle, they did have Evan Neal. He's not playing. That actually works to the Giants' advantage because Evan Neal is the worst football player in the history of the universe, which likely means they'll have Tyre Phillips, Tyree Phillips, whatever, who has a 62.5 pass blocking grade and a 47.5 run blocking grade. Again, the worst offensive line in the history of the NFL. Um, If you look at, for example, the just offensive linemen, tackles, guards, centers, in the bottom 20, the Giants have five of them. Five offensive linemen in the bottom 20. Justin Pugh is the 20th worst. Marcus McCathan is the 14th worst. Ben Bredesen is the 13th worst. Joshua Azidu is the 11th worst. And Evan Neal is the 7th worst. Now, we're not facing all of those, but that's freaking brutal. You also have John Michael Schmitz, who is the 32nd worst. Uh, by the way, this is out of... Uh, how many is it? 210 offensive linemen. And then they have Andrew Thomas all by his lonesome, sitting as the 16th best offensive lineman. Handful of spots ahead of Zach Tom. Freaking rough, bro. In all my years, I cannot remember a worse offensive line. I'll just leave it at that. Defensively, certainly have some pieces, especially along the defensive line. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is an absolute monster on the inside. He is the number one guy, probably one of the best, if not the best, defensive tackles in football. 93 PFF grade, 88 run defense grade, 93 pass rush grade. He already has 53 pressures on 333 attempts and five sacks. I mean, he's just a freaking beast. Then after that, they have Ashawn Robinson, Rakeem Nunez, Rochez, and Leonard Williams kind of splitting pretty evenly. However, Mr. Williams is no longer with the group, so that leaves the other two. And uh, Ashawn Robinson has a 55 grade. Uh, Rochez has a 43. So Dexter's a freak. The other two guys, not super great. Off the edge, Kayvon Thibodeau is their top dog. He has a 59 PFF grade, 49.9 run defense, 68 pass rush, 33 pressures on 366 attempts and 12 sacks. Now, most people will look at it, say Kayvon Thibodeau, 12 sacks. He's having a great year. No, he's not. 
He's not. He's just, he's, he's bad. He's a bad run defender. His pass rush rate is really low. Congrats on getting like a sack a game. That's, that's certainly helpful. But as far as overall disruption, it's low. Guy on the other side is Jihad Ward, 69, uh, excuse me, 40 PFF grade, 38.6 run defense, 48.7 pass rush. They also have Aziz Ojolari, who's been dealing with some injuries. He's got roughly the same amount of snaps, but 47 overall grade, 45 run defense, and 50 pass rush. So the guys on the edge, um, I mean, again, Thibodeau got the sacks, but off the edge, it's it's just, it's pretty rough. At linebacker, Bobby Okarike, solid football player. They've actually got a couple of good linebackers, 82.2 overall. Micah McFadden, 70, basically, PFF grade, so pretty good linebackers. At corner, it's pretty rough, dealing with tons of injuries and whatnot, but um, I mean, I, I honestly don't even know what they've got going on here. They, they've had such a ridiculous rotation, whether that do be due to injuries or what have you, but the one consistent player seems to be Deontay Banks, who has a 48.5 grade. He was a first-round pick, like many of the guys that we've talked about, actually. First-round pick this year. Uh, he was the 25th overall pick, but again, 48.5 grade. He has a 46 coverage grade. He, um, let's see, he's given up 43 receptions for 557 yards, three touchdowns. He has two picks and five pass breakups, 83 passer rating so far this year. It appears the slot uh, corner is going to be Cordell Flott. He has a 67 grade, 74 coverage grade. He is very boomer bust. I mean, his grades are 50, 90, 40, 50, 70, 40, 70, 90, 50. Crazy, 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 crazy. So he's either like the best corner in the league or is just pretty bad. So that's their slot guy. And then, oof, I'm guessing it's going to be Adoree Jackson is going to be on the other side. He has a, this is another first round pick, by the way, 2017, number 18 overall selection. He's having a real bad year. He has a 45 PFF grade, by far his worst year. Um, he's actually generally been pretty good this year, but 45 PFF grade, 42 coverage grade. Um, he's missed a little bit of time. He played weeks one through nine, had his first game back in week 12, and actually had his first good game of the season um, in week 12. But um, he has given up 31 receptions, 408 yards, given up a touchdown, no picks, four pass breakups, 109.4 passer rating when targeted. In the uh, what nine games he's played, six games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games he's played, and then at safety, Xavier McKinney, eighty-one grade, so they got a really solid safety there in McKinney, eighty-seven coverage grade, and Jason Pinnock, who has a 50, uh, sixty-six grade, so a couple good safeties, good linebackers, and a good defensive tackle, and that's basically it. Uh, keep in mind, as I said before, uh, in addition to Evan Neal officially being out, Dexter Lawrence is questionable. That would be massive, beyond massive, if Dexter Lawrence didn't play. And there's also defensive tackle Ashawn Robinson. So something to keep an eye on there. But that's about it. Again, look, it, it's the Packers are significantly better than the Giants because everybody is better than the Giants. End of story. So my, I guess you could say, expectations for the game. It's not necessarily a score prediction as much, but it's just sort of the bar that I'm setting for these guys. The Giants right now at home are scoring seven points per game. Now that that's a little crazy (laughs) 
to set that as the standard. But seriously, they scored 14 against the against Washington, 10 against the Jets, 10 against the Patriots, 3 against the Seahawks, and 0 against Dallas. That's what they've done at home. Defense has actually been relatively good aside from the 40 points against Dallas. They allowed 24 to Seattle, 13 to the Jets, 7 to the Patriots, 7 to the Commanders. So they're scoring 7 points per game at home. They're allowing 18 points per game. So let's just say 2010 Packers. Okay? Let's just call it 2010. If the Packers win roughly 2010, then the Packers are doing about the average, the norm. If you want to do away with the home away thing, then it would be 24-14. Just tack on four extra points on both sides. Aight. All right, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Go Pack Go. Get your calls in starting during the game because prior to the game, I'm not going to play the calls unless I happen to notice it and it's relevant somehow. But uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.